Welcome to another episode of Lakers Explained, a podcast by SilverScreenEnroll.com. I am Christian Rivas here with Harrison Fagan, uh, the editor-in-chief, site manager, what have you, of SilverScreenEnroll.com. Uh, what what term do you prefer, Harrison? Do you prefer Lakers Overlord? Is that is that your preferred title? You know, I think um, I think Master of Multimedia Strategies is probably <laughs> like maybe Emperor of Multimedia Strategies, cross content, cross platform content. Something I think like that. Yeah, I think that's similar to uh, Subway calling their employee sandwich artists. It's just like a really glorified <laughs> title. For what they actually honestly, do. I feel like that's disrespectful to sandwich artists to say <laughs> that the title that I just made up is as accurate as that. Like it's probably even a little bit more of an embellishment, but I don't, that's what I put on my LinkedIn. I don't know where I stand on the the subway sandwich debate on who's better. My my hot take is that they're all pretty bad. Like Jersey Mike, Subway, all those all those sandwiches just just aren't very good. And those are all sponsors out the window. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we uh, not a bad weekend for the Lakers, huh, Harrison? No, uh, you know, Anthony and I talked about this on the show yesterday, but the Lakers very much proved that they are for real, like very, very real championship contenders by beating the Bucks and the Clippers. They're two, kind of, you know, the two elephants in the room whenever we were discussing this team. It's like, yeah, yeah. the Lakers are really good. They have the best record in the Western Conference, but... And now there's no more but there. You know, they could still lose to both of these teams. It's not a shoe-in because they beat both of them that they will be able to do that in a seven-game series. But there is at least, there are much less reasons to doubt them after this weekend, I would say. Yeah, and I, I agree with that sentiment. But a, a lot of the things I've heard, or at least read online, uh, from people that are trying to take away from this these two Laker wins, and I'm going to be honest, yeah, you can make arguments for both sides that this game means something and doesn't mean anything at all. Like, uh, uh, above all else, it is just a regular season game. But you could argue that about any regular season right. game. Right, absolutely. And people were using those regular season games before to kind of hurt the Lakers' resume. Oh, yeah. So just treating them all as regular season games and looking at the whole season, like, it, I think to, it has to mean something. I And I agree. I wrote I wrote something for Silver Screen and Roll and got some backlash on it, um, probably because of the headline. Uh, the the term pretender when when discussing the Lakers, but I it, it the crux of that that story was me just saying these games are going to tell us more about the Lakers than probably we're ready for. Like for better or for worse, the Lakers are going to show who they are in 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 March against these contenders, and what they showed they are is a team led by LeBron James, who is still a really really good basketball player. And he still has another level to go, we're assuming. And even if he doesn't, like a guy that can put up, you know, 28, 9, and 7 against the Clippers and with the the perimeter defenders they have is still like a really good player to have, even if he doesn't have another level to go. Yeah. And, you know, some would argue maybe the best player to have just because, like, you know, it's just LeBron, I think, between his smarts and like his improve three-point shooting over the like over the last several years but especially this year like 
he just doesn't really have flaws in his game. Like there's right. not really a way that you can scheme him out, but beyond just kind of hoping he misses or like trying to get him to give the ball up to other guys and hoping that they fail essentially. Like, because he's pretty much always going to make the right play. He can he, like, as he showed this weekend, when he wants to, he can still get to the basket against just about anyone, whether, you know, like even if he has like a great defender, like Kawhi Leonard onto him, as we watched during that fourth quarter, he's smart enough to really just hunt down a less good defender on switches and make sure that he scores that way um and so i just it's really tough to scheme him out i think when anthony davis is playing the way that he's playing like the lakers and you know avery bradley was obviously the x factor for the lakers yesterday in terms of like the lakers aren't going to lose very many games where he scores that much um but like if when anthony davis and lebron are playing like this like it's just going to be really hard to stop the lakers in general yeah and and that that's the main takeaway. I I rewatched the game at like two o'clock in the morning last night just because I couldn't go to sleep. And my one takeaway is that, or my the two of my biggest takeaways were, LeBron James even at the age of thirty five can blow by just about anyone at will. Like the the, I believe NBA dot com has Kawhi Leonard credited defending LeBron James for possessions and holding him to one one and four shooting, uh, in those possessions. But there were a few possessions where the Lakers just eliminated Kawhi Leonard as an option defensively. And Kawhi Leonard's an interesting player to scout in that regard. It's just how impactful he he is defensively. You have to actively avoid him. But the fact that that's even possible and LeBron James was, you know, able to blow by him in with, with just a hard screen in the fourth quarter we saw, um, I think that's a really, really promising sign for the Lakers. Yeah, and that's the thing too is like these one these matchup stats are always a little bit misleading mm-hmm. in a vacuum just from the sense of like the like teams can of course like no one really like other than you know I mean LeBron is one of the best players in the NBA but against the best defenders in the NBA yeah. very few people ha- shoot like a good percentage in isolation against those guys because they're the best defenders in the NBA mm-hmm. like and so but you can do things to avoid being in isolation against those guys and the like the Clippers have weaker players that the Lakers can pick on like even Marcus Morris their vaunted you know trade deadline addition yeah. another box to throw at LeBron. LeBron was straight up hunting him on switches. And sure, that's hunting him instead of having to be guarded by Kawhi Leonard. Mm -hmm. But it's still like, it's just... It's here's this guy that the Clippers got as a change of pace. And LeBron is willingly like, no, 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 switch this guy on me (laughs) because I'm going to barbecue him right here. Yeah, and and that's something I, I really took away with Anthony Davis too is Anthony Davis more than even LeBron James was, was hunting Marcus Morris on those matchups. Marcus Morris wanted nothing to do with that. And even if he did, like, I think there was one possession. Marcus Morris got him in the post and disrupted his shot a little bit. But Anthony Davis is just too athletic and big for Marcus Morris to defend him in space. And, you know, once once Anthony Davis picks up his dribble, it's, you know, it's over. It's over for anybody that the Clippers have in their closing lineup. Because you look at. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, one of them has to be guarding LeBron James and the other one has to be guarding Danny Green because you cannot leave him open. Or at least historically speaking, you can't. This season, it's been a little up and down. But uh, So if Marcus Morris is the guy you have on Anthony Davis, like good luck in, in that series with, with the way he's playing and the way you have to guard LeBron James in the playoffs. It really is just about picking your poison. And 
you know, if you have to choose between LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I don't, I don't know if there's that much of a paradigm uh, shift on, on the defensive end with Marcus Morris, at least. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, this whole thing just kind of goes to the point that I think a lot of us were talking about the trade deadline that like putting up numbers on the Knicks doesn't necessarily mean that you're worth giving up assets for, you know what I mean? Like if you're putting up like the leading scorer on a horrific Knicks team, like, and you know, you've played good defense in the past. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're this transformative like thing in the Clippers. They didn't give up a ton for Marcus Morris, obviously, but the Lakers got Marquis for free and you know, it was one game, but he didn't look like that much less impactful against the Lakers, like arguably was more positively impactful with the way that, you know, Marcus had probably, I mean, I haven't watched the Clippers, but I would imagine that was likely his worst offensive and defensive game in conjunction with each other since the trade. Yeah, I'd I'd say so. Yeah. So I think like, to me, that's why, you know, it just reinforces that he's not necessarily like that the Lakers didn't have to make a move at the trade deadline. Like now yeah. we've seen them add some reinforcements to a team that, you know, Deion Waiters didn't play in this game. Mm-hmm. Markeith made difference for the Lakers in this game, but he was not the difference for the Lakers in this game. They had a pretty good team already. They just needed to gel. Like they weren't that far off from these teams and like a little bit of tinkering at the margins, a little bit of natural development as the season has went along has kind of shown that this is as good of a team as we thought that they could be uh-huh. potentially. And they really do have a chance to raise number 17 this year. Yeah. And, and the, the moves they made, post-trade deadline, specifically with Markeith Morris, I think has unlocked a lot of the the personnel in the second unit, particularly with Kyle Kuzma. I think the the big thing with Kyle Kuzma at the beginning of the season is that he was going to be this stretch for Kevin Love type player for the Lakers. Like obviously not as big or, you know, frankly as talented as Kevin Love, but the idea that a stretch four thrives al- al- alongside LeBron James uh, carried on into last season and and leaked out into this season. It just that that hasn't been the case for Kuzma. I think I tweeted today he's shooting twenty nine point nine percent from three point range, which is not great. Uh, and I think he's shooting below twenty percent over the last fifteen games, which is also not great. Uh, so adding an an actual stretch four in Markeith Morris has forced him to play the wing. And, you know, the results have been mostly positive so far, at least on the defensive end. I think for any improvement that he's made on the defensive end to mean anything, he has to just knock down more three-point shots. Like, as as impactful as he could be defensively, that three ball just needs to fall at a higher rate than 29.9%. Yeah, and I think that actually kind of naturally leads us into what you wanted to talk about today, which was like, you know, as long as we're on the topic of these Lakers supporting cast guys, like I, I think you had a good idea that you wanted to talk about like the playoffs and which one of these guys could potentially or which several of these guys could potentially swing a series or is most likely to. And um, yeah, like I, I think, you know, I, I think Kuzma, you know, is one of these guys that will be in contention for one of these spots. Yeah, definitely, and I, I, I brought that up as the topic of the show because I, I was saying earlier in, in the show, I saw a lot of detractors on Twitter saying that, you know, you shouldn't put too much stock into Sunday's Lakers game because Avery Bradley isn't going to go off for, you know, the 24-whatever points he had on Sunday again. And it's like, 
sure, you can make that argument, but you know, the last time they played, Kyle Kuzma had a really big game. When they played on Christmas Day, Kyle Kuzma had one of his best games of the season. It's it's not there, there's always going to be somebody that steps up, whether it's matchup based or somebody's just feeling it that night or it, it, it's a team effort. And I, I think for the for our purposes, though, if I had to pick one player that that would make the biggest difference in a playoff series with with their ceiling and, and how much they have to improve, it, it has to be Kyle Kuzma because the, the type LeBron of player, and AD excluded. Let's, yeah, LeBron. Let's, let's make that completely clear right off the top, just in case somebody was like, you know, they were doing dishes while they're listening to this podcast and they yeah. missed the part where we said supporting cast. It's supporting cast. So yes. non-LeBron and AD options. Yeah. I mean, you can make the argument that Alex Caruso belongs in that conversation too, in that top three. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, um, if Kyle Kuzma can knock down the three-pointer with some semblance of of accuracy it, it's it's gonna change the way the offense is played because i was i was talking to jacob about this on on our show that we have later in the week i i don't know if i'm reading too much into it but it looks like lebron james and rondo the two primary playmakers on the team are just looking off kuzma when it comes to those three-point shots and i think kuzma himself when he gets the ball from behind the arc is just not confident in taking that shot on Sunday against the Clippers. He had a wide open shot uh, and opted to take it in the paint instead. And he made it to his credit, but he just, he does not have any confidence in his three point shot. Yeah. I, I hate to be the guy playing body language police as well. Like, like you are, yeah. but like, like you said, but I am in agreement. Like I, I just like number one, like I've def I don't know if I've noticed that with LeBron. I think it's because they don't like frequently, super frequently play together. Um, but like I, I think with Rondo, I have noticed that a little bit. And I don't know what's going on there, but like it does seem like and you know, that would also explain why Kuzma plays better, you know, whenever LeBron or AD rests. Uh, you know, speaking of that, LeBron James is questionable for tonight's game against the Brooklyn Nets with a uh, sore groin. So that may be a little bit of load management there. Um, but like, I think Kuzma plays better without the Rondo units for, you know, that reason. And like, you know, definitely others. But I, I think that probably is a factor as well. Absolutely. And and the biggest thing for me with Kuzma is one the confidence and two the mechanics. I think those are the two things that can swing, you know, things in his direction. Because I I tweeted earlier in the season. I don't know if Kyle Kuzma's shot mechanics have been the same two times in a row this season. Like they just haven't. Yeah, he does look like he is struggling with his own confidence as well. Like you mentioned. Yeah, and it, it's something that dates back to even last season. I mean, he said himself that he was overthinking his shot from behind the three-point line. And you, you'd think after spending a summer with Lethal Shooter, I don't know his actual name. But, I think you know, it's that's Chris a, Matthews? It's a, good, it's a good nickname if, like, that's all. If no one knows know. your actual name, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Matthews, I think. Isn't that an NBC anchor? I, th- I, think, that's all, I think it's both. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> those two, two things aren't mutually exclusive. Or they're the same person. Who knows? I mean, that would be hilarious. (laughs) 
Yeah, but that, that's definitely not the case. Um, the first, when you type in lethal shooter on Google right now, the first suggested autocomplete is lethal shooter KCP. So you know what people <laughs> were looking up early on in the season. Somebody uh, somebody tweeted me today uh, that lethal shooter traded Kuzma's shooting ability for KCPs, and then they replied with a gif of Red Skull saying a soul for a soul. <laughs> it is, okay, so his real name is Chris Matthews, and hilariously on Bing, the image of him is the actual anchor Chris Matthews. So I don't know if we figured out that they aren't the same person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, my pick is Kyle Kuzma. I'm interested to hear who you have. I put down a couple guys just because I wasn't sure if we would have the same one. And so I didn't want to, do one of those things where, you know, like we both pick the exact same guy and then have nothing to talk about. Make so same argument. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you said player most likely to swing a playoff series. You did not specify in which direction. And so <laughs> for me, there is only one logical answer here and it's Rajon Rondo. Like, I think that part of this is on Vogel and how much he plays him and how quick of a leash he has with him in the playoffs or quick of a hook or whatever term you want to use. Like, Anthony and I talked about this a little bit on yesterday's post-game show, but, like, my theory is that you have to play Rondo now because if you don't, like, the locker room dynamics are going to get out of whack. But I think it's a little easier to bench him and take away his minutes or have a quicker hook with him when, you know, you're in the playoffs and everybody is locked in on winning every single game. Like, it's not a regular season grind and slog and whatever. Like, it's just every single night could be the end of your season, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, like, I, I, I have faith that Vogel will have a quicker hook with him then. That caveat out of the way, I think Rondo playing well could definitely swing a playoff series because we have seen games where he plays well this year. The Lakers tend to win them. They, you know, he plays at a quicker pace and he gets the offense moving for that bench unit. And we have seen Rondo make a positive impact on this team. I'm not one of the people who claims that he's never made a positive impact the entire season. I don't know if those critics to that extreme exist outside of just Anthony, but um, <laughs> like, I think he has had moments this season on aggregate. He has, damage the Lakers in far more games than he has helped them. And if he doesn't start to get benched during the playoffs, if those bad Rondo stretches come, and I'm not guaranteeing they will, maybe there really is playoff Rondo and he will lock in for every single playoff game. The Lakers play and be a positive dis difference maker in all of them. Should he not be though? And should he not get benched when that happens against the best teams in the league? That can be the difference. Like, these are going to be close games. These are going to be games that are decided upon teams picking on each other's weaknesses. And if Rondo is not playing with pace, if he's not getting the bench unit, like, offense moving, if he's not, like, setting Anthony Davis up for success or Kyle Kuzma up for success or whoever it may be, and he's just pounding the ball, you know, trying to run sets, doing whatever, and then playing lackadaisical defense, whether through, you know, lack of effort or just lack of ability at this point, then that very easily could swing a playoff series in the wrong direction like but you know on the other side if you see the guy that you had that the lakers had against the thunder or against the celtics the, uh, against the celtics or against the warriors you know the warriors game we almost can't count but like yeah. if, if the lakers get that version of rondo 
that guy can help you win a playoff series because all of a sudden this guy that's been hurting you all year goes off for a super great performance mm-hmm. and makes a difference. But I think that, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say that it's probably more likely that he swings it in a negative direction. And then on that point, it's up to the coaching staff to be like, and the play in the locker room to just be like, Hey man, like you don't have it. We got to figure out something else in this matchup and maybe we'll try you again in the next series. Maybe we won't, mm-hmm. but like to figure out other things to go to, which like the team has done, obviously at times they've won a lot of games this year, but some, a lot of them they've won in spite of Rondo damaging them for his minutes while he's out there. And, and at that point, Lakers fans would have every right to be mad at Vogel. Cause it's not like they don't have depth at the guard positions. Like if Rondo doesn't have it, you can turn to, Alex Caruso or, you know, obviously I I think you're giving up just as much defensively by putting Quinn Cook on the floor, but at least you have some shot creation. And then you have the dark horse, which is Dion Waiters, like Dion Waiters shot creation and playmaking. His upside is so much better than Rondo that he, he probably shouldn't even see the court in the playoffs. Like the playmaking is the big I, I don't there. know if I buy into Dion's going to play a significant role right. in the playoffs, but it is possible that, yeah, like it's possible that he could be that guy. The other thing is, besides all those names that you mentioned, is LeBron's going to play more minutes in the playoffs. And so that inherently leaves less minutes that you need a traditional point guard out there, unless you're trying to kind of in-game load manage LeBron. But with so many days between games, I don't know if that's going to be as necessary. Like, I, I think that LeBron playing more minutes than the season, I believe he's playing a season low minutes right now will make a difference in that respect as well yeah but most definitely and i i I wasn't suggesting that Dion waiters is going to be playing a ton of minutes i was just saying that in terms of shot creation and the type of player the lakers need in that second unit whether it's at point guard or at shooting guard i think waiters has the potential if rondo doesn't have it to come in and fill those minutes at a higher rate than rondo did when he had them uh, but I think, obviously, given his his fit with LeBron James and you know everything he showed this season on the defensive end, I think Alex Russo's probably the favorite, or at least should be the favorite, to get those minutes if if Rondo just doesn't have it. Yeah, I think it's just that he doesn't exactly replicate what Rondo brings, and yeah. so like if you're looking, I, so. T- Aside from Caruso's much better fit with LeBron, like no mm-hmm. argument from me there. Caruso was a way better fit in LeBron lineups. Um, but in minutes where Rondo isn't playing, I do feel like that's like that's the recipe for your waiters breakout performance yeah. right there is if Rondo doesn't have it and Vogel's like, OK, but we need someone else who's like a ball handler. And Alex Caruso, for all of his strengths, like that's not one of them. He is a really valuable player in other ways, but that's not where he's going to, you know, make his value known for this Lakers team. And so putting in Dion, like that's where you get the Dion Waiters game where we all remember it. Like it's like Peja Stoyakovic against the Lakers a couple of years ago, where like <laughs> he just went off and then like almost never played in the entirety of the rest of the playoffs. Like occasionally there are, you know, guys that do come in off the buyout market and like win you a playoff game like it it, we've seen it happen it's just I was just trying to say that I don't know if I expect him to play like everybody's always asking me when he's going to debut I'm like I don't know when are the Lakers going to have their next blowout win you know (laughs) like that's kind of when I expect the Deion Waders debut but we'll see it could be Tuesday the Nets fired Kenny Atkinson 
And yeah, and Le- if LeBron sits out, then, you know, you do all of a sudden have a need for potentially the skill set that Waiters brings, even if, like Vogel said, it would be a couple games because he's not really in shape yet, but yeah. maybe this kind of forces their hand there and they go to uh, Dion a little bit earlier than they would have otherwise. Uh, the most interesting thing about Dion to me is... I think if Dion gets any meaningful minutes, and again, there's no guarantee that he does, he does. I think it's more likely that he doesn't than he does. Uh, I think that just completely changes how Lakers fans view Kyle Kuzma because I think Kyle, people were expecting Kyle Kuzma to fill that shot creation spark plug role at the beginning of the season, and if Dion Waiters is now that guy, you're really just praying that Kyle Kuzma can make his, his open threes and play defense. Yeah, and you know maybe that's a better role for him, but I mean we we still have left to see. Like he's come up big in some of their big games, as you mentioned, like the Clippers game on Christmas. That was definitely not his fault that they lost. He played mm-hmm. well, um, but we it remains to be seen how he reacts to a playoff atmosphere. Like that's always a question with guys until they've done it repeatedly. Like it's cliche, but it's a real thing. Like you got to see how a guy performs in the playoffs. And we just haven't seen that with Kuz. That that could be a positive or it could be a negative. Like he could totally live up to the, to the moment and be ready for that. But with some of the kind of waxing and waning confidence we've seen from him at the, at times, like when it all really is coming down to one or two games, like, will we see him get affected by that? If they get into an adverse spot, like, I, I don't know. I can't really, I can't, answer that who do you think is going to be the player that is most affected by the playoff rotation with LeBron James and Anthony Davis just playing a ton of minutes yeah you know I think honestly like my my guess would probably be Rondo like you know if or because you know based on just like my kind of you know reading between the lines and you know trying to logic all this stuff out like I feel like he's the guy that if LeBron's going to play more Rondo's going to play less like that. I think that's where some of those minutes come from. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest spot. Like, do you have a different answer? Uh, um, well, I think the obvious answer is one of or both of JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. Yeah, just that's another one for sure. I'm pretty sure Anthony Davis is going to be playing a ton of center. And with how much playing Marquise Morris at center has opened the offense up for, for the Lakers, that Kuzma Morris 4-5 duo. I could see them going to that more. I think there's only certain teams you can use it against successfully. Yeah, I also, uh, Morris was actually third on my list as far as like guys who could swing a playoff series for that reason. And like, I've completely come around on his addition from where I was like kind of Luke, like I didn't think it was bad. I just was a little lukewarm on it when they brought him in. Because obviously if you could bring someone in for DeMarcus Cousins, like might as well, you know? Um, and so like, I just wasn't sure how much he really gave them that they didn't have. I think I underestimated the effect that he would have on not just Kuzma, but on Anthony Davis, like it allows the Lakers to throw a lineup out there and they've been playing more with AD at center, like against uh, these contenders, especially. And it just gives Davis so much more space to operate in to the point where, you know, I wrote an article about this today for silver screen and roll. What like over the Davis has actually been, he scored more per 36 minutes and more efficiently with LeBron off the floor than on for the entire season, which is not something I would have expected before looking up the numbers. I expected him to be worse with LeBron off the floor just because of the narratives that, you know, got started early on in the year, but apparently were not backed up by the numbers. That said, Davis is shooting, I think like, I think like almost 11% better with LeBron off the floor 
been on over the last 15 games. And I think in large part that has been swung by more lineups with AD at center where Morris is facing the floor and AD can just go to work, you know, against like a far, like like with far more room to operate and utilize like his skills, which are not necessarily backing someone down in the post. Mm -hmm. It's like dribbling around them and then not having that extra arm there in the paint to knock the ball away or force him to collect earlier than he wants to. And, you know, just out quicking guys and getting to the rim. And th- and that's why, like, JaVale and Dwight, like, even Dwight against the Clippers, I don't think played at all in the second half, if I'm remembering correctly. He did not, I don't believe. I think him and Caruso were both out of the rotation. Yeah. So, one, once the playoffs roll around, I, I, do just, I just don't expect any of those guys to, to play any meaningful minutes. I think Dwight is another guy, because of his playoff experience and, you know, how much... In in a playoff series on a veteran heavy team, I think guys like LeBron James and Rondo look to Dwight as somebody that's been there before and can get himself out of situations like that. And again, I don't know if he's going to play a ton, uh, but I think he is somebody the Lakers would feel comfortable turning to um, in a moment of desperation. Same with JaVale playing in all those finals. Um, so it, that that's a quality about this Lakers team that I think is really underrated with you know guys like Danny Green, JaVale McGee, Quinn Cook, who have played in NBA Finals. Even with, Avery Bradley. Right. Within the last five seasons, like LeBron, of course, been in they had three NBA Finals in the last five seasons, not four. Um, but yeah, they, they, have a, they have a good championship makeup in the locker room. It's all about just putting those pieces together now. Yeah, um... The only did you have another guy that you felt like could swing a series that you would put down on your list? Um, because Avery, I have one more. Yeah, I but I feel say, like it's fairly obvious. Avery Bradley is one. Uh, like a only, different different answer than I have. Okay, go ahead. Only because Avery Bradley's been really hot and cold as a shooter, yeah. like throughout his career, uh, and that's that's my biggest fear with with everybody on this team. Is that even Danny Green? It's like with the way he's played this season, he's been very hot and cold. It, there's not too many guys outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis that you're just sure gonna have it every night. Uh, and I think once the playoffs roll around again, I think Danny Green will play to his full potential, or at least that's the hope. But yeah, Avery Bradley especially is a guy that you know from game to game can be the most impactful guard on the team or the most replaceable guard on the team so uh, yeah that's my that's my last answer yeah I think to that point honestly and we saw this a little bit against the Clippers yesterday this has been a theme with Avery Bradley all season where Avery Bradley reaches and he is like arguably too physical with every single matchup that he has and there are games where the refs let it go and Avery Bradley is able to play and there are games where they do not and Avery Bradley has like 10 minutes played in the game or whatever, because he basically gets in foul trouble almost right away and is never able to get a rhythm. Like we saw the refs let a lot of that go yesterday against the Clippers. Other than that stupid technical foul, they called on him. That wasn't even really for this, but like they let him really reach and grab and like be really physical with guys. And I think as far as the playoffs go, like, what do we know about playoff games? Like refs let a lot more of that contact and things like that go. And so Avery Bradley is going to get like a longer leash at the beginning of games to establish a rhythm and not just get yanked because he picked up two or three really quick fouls. And so I think that like that, 
will work well for him. I think that will also work well for a guy who has also had problems with that same issue this year in Danny Green, um, where he has like a couple games this season just been called for reaches and whatever early on in games and it disrupts him from his rhythm. And, you know, I think it's gotten a bad rap. Like, I think that a lot of the times, like people who are just like either they're catching up on the game later or whatever, like they are, you know, maybe they just think about the game differently than I do. Um, I think they undervalue Danny Green and what he brings to the table. I think part of that is the price tag. He's making 15 million this year. And I think when you're an out from the outside looking in, like it's like, oh, 15 million, like he should be producing 20 points a game or whatever it may be, or like, yeah. you know, 15 points a game or uh, like however much you want to assign to that. But like, that's not how it works. And that's not why Danny Green is making 15 million. Danny Green is making 15 million this year because the Mavericks were willing to give him three years and 30 million over the summer. <laughs> and the Lakers did not want to offer a three year deal. So they gave him two years and 30 million to make sure that he would wait for Kawhi Leonard along with them. Uh, like, and that's why Danny Green is making 15 million this year. And like, if we're just boiling it down to one thing, I think that because of that, People look at his flaws and they look at the foul trouble and they look at that he's averaging 8.3 points a game and don't necessarily see his value where like, you know, he is one of the Lakers best perimeter defenders by far, arguably their best um, on a night to night basis. And the other thing about Danny Green is like what without looking, what do you think Danny Green is shooting from three this season? Oh, well, that's not fair because I look at what he's shooting pretty often. But last time I checked, uh, it's 30, 38.5, 37.6. Okay. So a little worse than you thought that, that you might be the only person that would guess high for Danny green um, mm-hmm. this season, but like 37.6, like that's a good three point shooter. It's below kind of where he's been in his career over the last, you know, almost decade basically. Yeah. And so I would expect that number to pop up over a larger sample size. He didn't shoot well in the playoffs last year, although I would wonder how much of that was like tired legs and the Lakers have kind of stealth load managed him yeah. a little oh, bit this year. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think like he's even kind of openly talked about it, that Frank has like given him breaks and stuff like that to make sure that like because he knows that he had a long finals run last year. And so I think Danny Green, all this is to say he was my second rank guy behind Rondo, because if Danny Green like if Danny Green just goes out there and he hits like four threes in a playoff game, like the Lakers are just going to win. Like, I I don't, I don't know if you can necessarily like make up the difference. If Danny Green hits four threes, like right now he's attempting, uh, how many 4.9 a game. So if he has one of his four or five nights, or maybe he shoots a little more because teams are leaving him to deal with LeBron and AD. Like if he just gets hot, like that swings a series right, right there. And so I think that he is a guy, especially by virtue of his role as a starter, he's just going to get more of those opportunities to do that too and get in a rhythm. Like he's a guy that is definitely on my list along with those other two. Yeah. And, and Danny's a guy along with the other shooters where you look at a team like the bucks and their whole fate in the, in a playoff series is really living and dying by Giannis and the three ball. And part of the reason they lost to the Lakers um, was because George Hill wasn't in the game, and George Hill has been unconscious from three this season. In that first game, George Hill killed the Lakers, and not having him, I think, really hurt the Bucks. But even then, if if he's not on it, if if he doesn't have it in a in a final series, um, and and Danny Green does, it it really is going to be that those series are going to boil down to you know, who's making the most three point shots around their star players at the end because we know. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Giannis 
Antetokounmpo and Kawhi Leonard can get to the rim at will. It's about that supporting cast. And I think more than they've been given credit for, the Lakers have that, like a good supporting cast. Yeah, I, I think honestly this whole exercise illustrated that. And I, I also real quick, I just want to let you know, I'm going to cut that whole last part about George Hill because, um, you know, I don't want to like I don't want to put rain on Lakers fans parade today. Uh, okay. So, you know, we're just going to pray. We're just going to like George Hill played. Uh, nobody's going to go look this up like 10 minutes in that game. He just wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a joke. You were supposed to laugh. That was oh, okay. I didn't. I'm not actually going to cut <laughs> oh, it. <laughs> you thought I was serious. I thought you um, were actually going to cut it. I was like, this this is the type of propaganda uh, <laughs> organization we run here. That's fine. I was yeah, going to. Yeah, this is state media right here. I was going to Slack DM you right now and say, hey, I think we need to have a talk. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't I'm, I'm going to be really disappointed when somebody clips just that part of me saying, this is state media right here. Um, <laughs> And uses it the next time, like I, you know, like when I tweet out our next article about the threat of coronavirus or whatever. Well, I mean, you saying you don't want it to do it is almost guaranteeing that somebody will do it. Yeah, I mean, I always say that stuff, you know, like half tongue in cheek, like half <laughs> kind of thinking that no one's going to do it. But if somebody does it, it's going to know I'm going to be disappointed in you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that is an excellent spot to end the show <laughs> on no, our quick before we do actually end the show. And I know I always do this. I just want to for our listeners yesterday, Anthony and I said that we would get back to you on what the Clippers, what the excuse was going to be for the Lakers beating the Clippers yesterday, because we knew that there was going to be some caveat added later, like Christian just tried to do with the George Hill thing there, <laughs> like why the Bucks victory is not legitimate. Um, I saw a couple Clippers fans seemingly unironically tweet that no they weren't fully healthy and didn't have their full squad because oh, joe kim noah joking. didn't you yeah. know you know that joe is... kim noah who's on a 10-day contract <laughs> i mean the lakers weren't healthy in those first two games either because demarcus cousins was hurt yeah it's true you know <laughs> Dem- uh, Mar- markeith morris wasn't ready to go yet neither yeah. was Deion. Deion waiters was out yesterday for the lakers so taylor we really horton tucker at full strength yeah taylor horton tucker and Devonte kaycock were with south bay like when are we ever at actually full Full strength, not just the Lakers, as people, us as a society, as a, as, as a, we live in a society. <laughs> not, I would say, probably not this month. We are not at uh, at uh, at full strength. I'll, uh, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's where we will sign off for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. If you enjoyed today's show and the shows on the Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed, uh, you can leave us a nice little review on podcast if you think. It is worth your time. I certainly think it is. Uh, and uh, we'll, you'll hear from us next week. 